Section 39 of At the Point of the Bayonet, A Tale of the Maratha War by G.A. Henty. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Esther Ben-Samonides. At the Point of the Bayonet, A Tale of the Maratha War. Chapter 18, An Awkward Position, Part 3. The enemy rode off for a hundred yards, and then, leaving the horses in charge of a few of their number, they returned to the edge of the morass, threw themselves down in the long coarse grass, and again opened fire. Two more of the troopers fell at the first discharge. Harry drew out his handkerchief and waved it. "'We will not surrender if they are Holker's men,' he said to Abdul. "'We should only be tortured and then put to death. If they are Burtpur's men, we may have fair treatment.' Therefore, as soon as the enemy had stopped firing, he shouted, "'Whose soldiers are you?' the rajah of bootpur shuddered back we will surrender if you will swear to take us to bootpur and hang us over the rajah if you will not do so we will defend ourselves to the last a native officer to stop assuredly we will take you to the rajah i swear it on my faith very well then send a man to guide us out of this place an order was given one of the men went back and mounted his horse and rode along by the edge of the morass for nearly half a mile others more slowly follow him it is clear that this place in front of us is absolutely impassable harry said or that we would never all move away it is lucky that you have not got your favourite horse to-day sir abdul said for harry had bought from one of the cavalry a horse that had been captured from the Maratas, as one was insufficient for the work we had to do i should be very glad indeed abdul if i thought that i was likely to return to camp soon but in such peril as this, it is but a small satisfaction to know that he is safe. What do you think of our chances, Sahib? I don't think the Rajah of Bortpur harm us. He must feel that his situation is almost desperate, and it would put him beyond the reach of pardon if he were to massacre his prisoners. The Jat had now been dismounted, and could be seen making his way towards them on foot, sometimes coming straight, but more often making long bends and turns. It was evident, by the absence of any habitation in his movements, that he was well acquainted with the morass. "'If that is the only way to us,' Harry said, "'it is marvellous indeed that we made our way so far. "'I think, Sahib, that it was the instinct of the horses. "'I felt mine pull at the rein as I was leading him, "'sometimes to the right and sometimes to the left, "'and I always let him have his way, "'knowing that horses can see and smell better than we can, "'and as we were all in single file, "'we followed without noticing the turns. "'In ten minutes the man arrived. "'He spoke to Harry, but his language differed widely "'from either Marathi or that spoken by the people of Bengal.' However, he signed to the troopers to lay down their arms, and, when they had done so, started to rejoin the others, and leading the horses, the party followed. The path was fairly firm, and Harry had no doubt that it was used by fowlers, in search of the game with which, at certain seasons of the year, the lakes and morasses abounded. When they arrived at the edge of the swamp, where the others were awaiting them, Harry handed his sword to their leader. He and his party then mounted, and, surrounded by the jats, rode to Burtpur. Their entrance was greeted with loud shouts and exclamations by the populace. Making their way straight through the town, which covered a large extent of ground, they reached the palace, a noble building built upon a rock that rose abruptly from the plain. Ascending the steep path leading to the gate, the party entered the courtyard. Here the captives remained in charge of the horsemen, while the leader went in to report to the rajah. Presently he came out, with four of the rajah's guard, and these led Harry and Abdul into the audience chamber. The rajah, with a number of personal attendants, entered and took his seat. 
You are an officer in the English army. What is your rank? The Raja said in Marathi. I am a major. Of what regiment? I am on the personal staff of the general. And this man? He is a native officer, at present commanding a portion of the general's escort. How is it that you were alone last night? I had written to Agra the day before, and was too late in starting back to gain the camp before it was dark. I lost my way, and, finding that we were in the heart of the morass, we were obliged to wait till morning. It is well that you did not try to get out. Had you done so, none of you would be here now. You speak Marathi like a native. I was some years at Pune, and, as a child, had a Maratha woman as a nurse, and learnt it from her. The Raja was silent for a minute or two, then he asked, Does your general think that he is going to try to capture my town? I do not know, but he is going to try. He will not succeed, the Raja said positively. We gave up D because we did not want a large force shut up there. Our walls are strong, but were they leveled to the ground, we would still defend the place to the last. I am aware that your people are brave, Raja. They fought well indeed, and if Holkar's troops had fought as stoutly, the result might have been different. The Raja, again, sat in thought for some time. Then he said, I do not wish to treat you hardly. I can honor brave men, even when they are enemies. You will have an apartment assigned to you, and be treated as my guest only. Do not venture to leave the palace, at least, unless you leave it with me. There are many who have lost friends at Deeg, many who may lose their lives before your army retires, and I could not answer for your safety. Would you like this native officer to be with you? I should esteem it a great favor, Raja. He has been with me for several years, and I regard him as a friend. Thank you, also, for your courtesy to me. You will give your promise not to try to escape? As Harry believed that, in the course of a short time, the British would be masters of the town, he assented without hesitation. The Raja looked pleased. You need be under no uneasiness as to your troopers. They will, of course, be in confinement, but, beyond that, they shall have no reason to complain of their treatment. The Raja said a few words to one of his attendants, who at once motioned to Harry and Abdul to follow him. Harry bowed to the Raja, and with Abdul followed the attendant. He was taken to a commodious chamber. The walls and divans were of white marble, and the floor was paved with the same material, but in two colors. The framework of the window was elaborately carved, and it was evident that the room was, at ordinary times, used as a guest chamber. This is better than even I had hoped for, Abdul. There can be no doubt that the Raja, though he put a good face on it, is desperately anxious, and behaves to us in this way, in hopes that he may finally obtain better terms than he otherwise would do by his good treatment of us. He looks honest and straightforward, Sahib. It's just strange that he should have behaved so treacherously just after the company had granted him an increase of territory. We must make some allowances for him. No doubt, like all the Indian princes we have had to do with, he is ready to join the strongest side. He heard that Holkar was coming down with an immense army, and believed that we should not be able to withstand him. In that case, he, as our ally, would have shared in our misfortune. His territories would be ravaged, and he himself killed or taken back, as a prisoner, to the Deccan. He was probably hesitating when the news came of Monson's disastrous defeat. This doubtless confirmed his opinion of Holkar's invincibility, and he determined, as the only way of saving himself, to declare for him. The attendant now entered with four men bearing cushions for the divans and carpets for the floor, large ewers and basins, with soft embroidered towels and a pile of rugs for beds. After he had retired, Harry went to the window and looked out. Below was the cartyard, and the room was on the first story. Well, if we are to be prisoners, Abdul, we could hardly wish to be better suited. A fortnight's rest will do us no harm, for we have been riding hard almost ever since we left Agra with Monson's force. 
it is well sahib that you were with us when we were captured had we been alone we should have had no mercy it is because the rajah regards you as such a valuable prisoner that we have been spared if you had not given your promise i think we might have made an escape we might have done so abdul but if i had not given my promise you may be sure that we should not have been lodged so comfortably end of section thirty nine recording by esther ben simonides